they take care of the place really well. Like my condo that I used to live in, I go there now and there's like this 85 year old lady living there. And there is more doilies set up in that place on tables than I've ever seen in my life. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby. I'm super excited to be back this week again with you. And I have some exciting news actually. This week I bought a property while it's under contract. I'm doing my due diligence and the inspection on Thursday. But I found something that's going to be a great burr opportunity. And it's actually in Burlington. Usually that's not where I necessarily look, but this property is actually going to be a little bit different. So what I'm thinking of doing actually is I'm going to rent out my Oakville home on Airbnb and I think I could do pretty well. I was looking at my carrying costs and what I can make on Airbnb and it seemed like a good opportunity for me to buy something, move into something else and Airbnb my Oakville house to cover the cost of that property plus potentially a portion of my new one. So I found this house this uh, really old dated bungalow in Burlington, south of the Kiwi, and there were like four offers on it. It was an estate sale, got the property under contract, and I am going to bring my contractor through now and my inspector, because that's what it's conditional on. So we got five days to do that due diligence. And I'm super excited, because what I wanted to do with that one actually is... So I'm going to live in it with uh, with Matt, obviously, and what we're going to do is we're going to Airbnb the basement units here and there, but we're, I'm going to, going to try to design it where if there's no renter, we can still enjoy the basement and make it like a fun hangout space as well. Still with a bedroom, little kitchenette, etc. So I'm super excited about that and I'll, I'll keep you posted how it goes, but I may be moving in a few months and uh, that may be my, my latest burr. So as long as everything goes smoothly on Thursday, we will remove conditions and closing will be mid-December. So super excited, guys, and let me know because the Airbnb piece, there's going to be pros and cons. There's pros and cons to every single strategy, but I will say that uh, the cash flow sometimes can be actually much more lucrative than renting long-term. There are cons, however, and the cons include the HST that we would have to pay by having a certain amount of income from Airbnb and short-term rentals and also potentially on the sale of the property. But again, I am not an accountant, but I do have a great one in my pocket that's been working with me as well. So I run a lot of things by them, George Dubay and, and Peter Coutini from BDO. But um, yeah, super excited about that. And this may be my one of my last potential few moves before I go ahead and become a full-time entrepreneur. So we will see. I'm uh, going back and forth on that piece and it's a big step. It's a definitely a big step because again, I, uh, I love my job and I love what I do. 
and I would stay there forever. But the time piece is uh, definitely getting harder and harder. So I, uh, I'm starting to explore joint ventures and, uh, and scaling up the joint venture way. So I've got a few meetings this week actually as well with JV potential opportunities. And for me, it's just really important that it was going to be a good partner with the same goals and the same mindset and the same integrity because you're basically going to be tied to a JV for like five to seven years. So it really has to be the right partners. Anyways, guys, with that said, I will keep you posted. I like to share some of uh, what's happening with me, but lots of exciting things. But also, you know, at some point soon, I will have to make some decisions on on my time. And uh, and that's scary, but it's also super exciting. But guys, on that note, I've got a great guest on today's show and hope you enjoy it. And if you could rate and review the podcast, if you've got two seconds, that would be amazing. If you could, I haven't gotten any reviews for like a month. So if you guys can like put something on there, that'd be awesome. I would really appreciate it. And if you wanted to reach out to me for anything, you can reach out at sarahlarby.com, which is my website, or Instagram, which is investor Sarah Larby, or sarah at sarahlarby.com. That's my email. And guys, like I try to get to all of them, and I will get to all of them. Sometimes it takes me a week, a week and a half, but I make it a point to answer them myself. So sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. But I will, I will connect with you and I do want to hear from you and I love hearing from success stories or even challenges or things that you guys need. I think that's, that's part of the community, right? Is we have to be there to help one another. And in exchange, you'll return the favor at some point where you might have somebody that's looking for something that you can help them, that you have expertise in, and you'll be able to, to help them as well reach their goals. So on that note, let's pass that around and let's just help each other out. This community is very small when you think about it. There's not many investors out there, so let's just uh, look out for each other. And so on that note, guys, I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, Ian, to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. So now you are three hours behind and you are calling in from where? So I'm on the West Coast. I'm in a town called Chilliwack, just about uh, 45 minutes out of Vancouver. Amazing. So it's uh, it's nice to have you. It's bright and early. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time. So 7 a.m. your time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was an easy night last night. So I'm up and at him. No problem. Nice. Okay, good. So it's always good to have investors investing in different areas across Canada because you know, not everything is similar to, to Ontario. And uh, so I'm super excited to have you on. Now, first things first, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your real estate strategy? Sure. So I think I'm a little bit different from most of the guests that I hear on your podcast because I'm not a, like a big investor. So I'm not building like a brand for myself. I don't have a huge business. I'm not trying to have like 100 doors, 50 doors. I've invested since I was about 20, mostly because I, I kind of figured like just working jobs and reading books. I was like, there's a better way to make money and to come up with me. I started out small. I bought a piece of property, just a bare piece of property. And then I flipped it. I paid off all my student debt within like three weeks. And then I bought another place. I leveraged that to buy another place. I rented that. I bought another place. So over the years, I've bought one or two places at a time and then flipped those to invest in other places. So now I've got like this super sweet spot where I own four condos that are 
full of equity that have perfect tenants in all of them, knock on wood. And I literally have no effort to maintain all of it. And throughout the years of just keeping those, I, I literally have to do almost nothing to maintain it. And it's really kind of provided me and my family like this great nest egg and extra income at the same time. So I guess the bad thing is, or the good thing is when I listen to your podcast, I get really excited about, oh, I should really take this level. I should really like build and build and create this big portfolio in this empire. But I think at the same time, I'm also a little bit hesitant because of the market. Plus, I don't need any investors. I have really good financing with the banks. So I'm kind of hesitant where I feel like I'm on the edge to take the next step to the next level. And unfortunately, I just haven't. But I'm also in this amazing position with what I have now, where uh, everything's just going perfect. So like I said, a lot different than some of the people that you have, some of the guests. But I guess the thing is, I'm just so content with how things are right now. Part of me doesn't want to rock the boat, but at the same time, other parts of me are just really happy with how things are. Yeah. And I think that's the important part is everybody has different goals and, you know, different reasons to invest in real estate. And ultimately, I mean, I like that you mentioned that because I think, I think that's just a, a really important piece is everybody's goals are not going to be your goals. And even though I'm looking for a certain number and, and my strategy might be different, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful doing what you're doing and being content with what you have now. And I think that's just like an important distinction because it's not always about that next property, that next property and scaling up. If you're satisfied with what you have and you say, I've met my goals or whatever, you know, what that, that is spending time with family, etc. No one can say, well, you should be scaling up or you should be doing that. It's really so individualized. And, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's just a, a really important piece that we always have to keep in mind. I totally agree. Like I, I feel like my goals, even, even though they're on a smaller level, are actually really easy to attain. And when people and me, we talk about real estate and stuff, I always tell people, like, you can become a real estate investor by buying one rental condo. And it's a great place to start. It's really, if you do it properly, it's really low maintenance. I also have the good option of that I have a really good steady full-time job like I work um, for the government as a paramedic in British Columbia so I work four on four off so I have lots of free time and I have that good kind of base job that you know it insulates me through any upturns or downturns plus if anything happens horribly with the rental property I also have that kind of job to, to insulate me from like the odd, horrible tenants, knock on wood that I don't ever have or any kind of downturn in value as well. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals and Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity, 
or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single-family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, give us a call or text at 905-592-4220, or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Personally, for me, I don't invest in condos. I mean, I have different reasons why I prefer to avoid them. But this is a good this is a good discussion because my opinion is my opinion. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to make everybody believe in what I believe in. I think everyone has the right to, to make their own choices and believe in what they want based on the information. So, so some of the reasons as an example that I personally don't invest in condos is number one is just the maintenance fees and and being in Ontario I mean you can't increase the rent more than a certain amount maintenance fees can go up anytime and then the special assessments those kind of turn me off as well and then there's a few other things too just because as you're you're buying a condo if it's pre-construction better is it not there are pros and cons and I wanted to ask you like what the pros are in, in your opinion because I mean it's probably very expensive as well where you where you live was it because of price or was it there was other things that you liked as pros for condos so I've always said that the maintenance fee to me is the happiest fee I've ever paid because depending on what buildings like I own kind of a range I own some kind of what I would call like lower income ones although those ones seem to have gone up the most like my small ones that I bought these little one bedroom one bath runs I bought these when I was in my 20s for $30,000 each and I had financing through the owner he owned the entire building and then just slowly sold off the units and uh, he was kind of like my first mentor in the business and he started selling them to me one at a time but I was nervous because I was like in my 20s didn't really come from a family of investors and I, he, he would have sold me 20 of them privately but I was like oh my gosh I can't have 20 condos on my own just private financing like my parents looked at me like I was crazy that I even bought more than one house at a time so I didn't really have backup from them if like something happened so I only bought a couple obviously that's my big regret is that I didn't buy the whole building but like I said I was 24 years old I thought that was a lot but the maintenance fees I find are fairly reasonable and the other thing with condos I've never had to come fix a window I've never had to come and fix an exterior door. I've never had to deal with a leak. I've never had to deal with a, a busted roof. When there's a fire, I've never had to deal with anything. So in condos, there's a lot of really good things with them out, out west here is that the maintenance of it, like I don't have to shovel the snow. I don't have to mow the lawn. I don't have to come and trim trees. I don't have to wash exterior windows and fix screens and deal with the air conditioning units hanging out of the building. Like I don't have to deal with any of that stuff. So a lot of that stuff for maintenance is really good. Like, are they great flippers? Not, not generally, but as far as like kind of long-term equity and wealth generators, I, I quite like them, especially kind of how my plan is set up. They're really, really good in that way. But I agree. Like I've do duplexes are potential for creating bigger wealth there and, and bigger rents but at the same time man some of the maintenance issues and the, the rentals i've had to deal with in owning homes i owned a property on a piece of i think an acre I, I just a little house that i rented out it was almost a full-time job just keeping up with the maintenance on that house in the summer because of all the trees and the branches and the grass and 
the gardens and all that. And even with the tenant helping out, there's just so much stuff for spring cleanup and fall cleanup. So I've avoided all of that with condos. And uh, like I said, I'm kind of in a sweet spot with it right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, everyone's got something that works for them. And I think that's just the, the big piece to keep in mind. Because for me personally, as you're saying this, like I do own some some single families and triplex, et cetera. And like, I don't do any of the work myself. So I just basically send people out. And then a lot of the yard yeah. work is done by the tenants. But again, right, like if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, like this condo piece sounds better because I don't have, there is definitely less maintenance. 100% you are going to have someone knows to replace on a house, you're going to have some CapEx items that you're going to have to re- like account for, like the roofs, you're going to have CapEx, like the, the furnace, the AC, all of that stuff. Yeah, but, big time. Yeah. And, and that probably comes in special assessments or like increases in the, in the monthly fee. But again, so let's talk about the, the financials a little bit. So you said you bought them for $30,000 when you were 20. Is that <laughs> yeah. nice, right? So like I said, when I look back at it, that, that is my, my big regret. So I basically was working part-time for the ambulance and I was renting this little apartment and then it was for sale. They were all for sale for 30, 30 to like $40,000 for the nice ones. So mine had been renovated and mine was 33,000. And the owner said, listen, do you want to buy it? You can buy it with zero money down. I'll do a private mortgage for two years. And then after two years, you go to the bank and buy me out. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I'll never forget. I always joked to my wife. I said, you know, before you came along, my mortgage was $109 biweekly. That's what I paid, $109 biweekly. I was living this bachelor's dream at the time. I started to buy more. He, he asked me, do you want to buy another one and another one? And then they all had tenants in them. So I basically interviewed tenants and decided which ones I was going to buy based on how good I thought the tenants were. And I'm pretty lucky with the ambulance service as my other job because it gives you kind of a, kind of gives you a really good sixth sense and like a BS detector. So like I can sniff out good tenants really well and I can really pick out the, the false ones really well. So when I interview people, I can really get a good vibe from them which I feel is kind of like the landlord's creed is picking the good tenants. So I, I bought three or four at the time. And he, he came to me and goes, listen, 12 left. Do you want to buy all 12, zero down? I'll give you two and three year mortgages on all of them. And I was like, oh man, I just can't. You know, I, I really wish I would have. Obviously, I'd be a millionaire multi multiple times over, but I just bought a couple. And then I, I didn't, I also wanted to diversify when I was younger. So I bought a duplex. I bought a piece of property on a on acreage and a couple other things. But when I look back, when I think of the maintenance and stuff like that, the rents have really kept up with the increases. And a lot of the rent with, with some of the bigger properties, especially if there was renovations, it was hard to keep up with those. So the, the condos were definitely kind of my great story of how to start. And that's kind of how I recommend to people when people ask me, you know, I want to get into buying a rental property. Where, sh- where should I start? I find out West here, the best place to start is to buy a condo. Whether you live in it, then sell it or rent it, it's easier. I find it's harder out here to go and buy yourself, you know, a standalone house, a couple bedrooms. Like you're looking four, five, seven hundred thousand dollars to buy that out here. Like there, there's no such thing as a two hundred thousand dollar house within a two and a half hour drive of where I live. So you know, in Vancouver, there's one million dollar lots. So it's really hard to buy a standalone home in an area around here for under half a million dollars. So trying to buy that as an investment property is a little bit tough for financing, whereas you can still buy a condo out here for $200,000. So it's a good place to start. And even if you're only putting a small percentage down or even 25%, right off the bat, you're almost cash flow positive based on the rent. Okay. So I just want to uh, dissect a little bit. So the properties that you bought at $30,000, you still are those the, the four that you still own right now? So I still own three of those and then have two other called 
nicer areas. So I lived in one for a while. Like I bought kind of what I would call like a higher end condo in a newer building, top floor, lots of glass. So that's in like a newer building that has a much higher maintenance fee. And then I have one kind of down the hall that was like a I call it my hotel apartment where it's literally a bachelor suite. It looks like a, it looks like a, like a hotel suite with a bed with a bathroom. And I Airbnb that one for almost a full year. And I felt like I was making tons of money off the Airbnb, especially in the summer. But I did find it was a bit more labor intensive for the changeover because I maintain a lot of these on my own. And I had a really good system. Like I spent hours and hours researching it on YouTube and various sites about how to be dialed in for YouTube. And I had it set up perfectly. I could come in there and change the whole place over in under an hour with a clean changeover up and up. And it seemed to be renting all the time. But uh, the the condos, I, I still have a majority of them. I think I own five and I still own three of the ones in the smaller, smaller market. And those things, even though they've went up, like I think I bought them for 30 to 35 for all of them. Like they're worth about 150, 175 now, but I've significantly refinanced those over the years and taken that money out to buy everything from down payments on other houses to my wife's engagement ring to family vehicle. Like that's kind of what I use the money for throughout the years is just for lifestyle stuff. Right. Okay. So what rents are you getting from your condos right now? Just to get a, an average rent. So the single bedroom ones in the smaller markets are around 700 a month. And the maintenance fees are about, I think they're 210 each. Okay. And then and taxes and stuff like that, I'm fairly cash flow positive on them. So my kind of investment stuff is I'm not looking for cash flow replacement to replace my income. So like me and my wife both make a, a very reasonable income per year and live very, very well just off of our income. So for me, all my investment stuff, like I literally don't take into account any type of income. And obviously I don't want to claim any type of come off of any of my rental stuff. For me, it's all just equity building. For my big plan down the road is that my kids will eventually buy everything off of us in their 20s that will self-finance. And then they'll be able to take it all, hopefully either to the next level or use that to do the same stuff that we've done over our lives. Okay. All right. No, I mean, that's good. Like at the end of the day, you got to do what makes you happy. And if this is the the strategy for you and and you've got a plan and you know this is going to work for your family, then then kudos to you for doing it this way. And, and in my opinion, kind of going against the grain of a lot of the things that, that a lot of us do out here, but maybe that works a totally. lot out where you are. And so I can understand that piece. So, okay. So you've got the condos, talked a little bit about Airbnb, but I just want to talk about tenants for a second. Cause you mentioned that you're interviewing them and you're asking them questions you probably have some some procedures in place, but how does it work in Vancouver? Like, do you want tenants to be there for a long time or like Ontario, do you want them in and out in two to, two to five years max? Yeah, so it's, I'm obviously a little bit outside of Vancouver, but for my strategy, it's all this long-term stuff, right? Like I want people there forever. Like I have, I literally have four sweet old ladies in all my condos right now. They are like the nicest, sweetest tenants ever. They don't party. They don't do drugs. They're not running people in and out of there all the time. They take care of the place really well. Like my condo that I used to live in, I go there now and there's like this 85 year old lady living there. And there is more doilies set up in that place on tables than I've ever seen in my life. And I look in there, I think, no, 
this place was like this amazing, like cool bachelor place. And now it's like, there's an old grandfather clock in the corner and she has all her old furniture. And it's like the sweetest little thing ever, but she loves it there. She wants to, like she said there, she's like, I am never leaving here unless I leave in a box. And for my strategy, that's like music to my ears because she literally wants to stay there forever. So I'm lucky that way for me, for long-term buy and hold investing, obviously we want tenants that are going to stay, that are going to pay. And that, you know, are amicable to just small rent increases throughout the year. So I think if there's one thing I don't do very well is I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to rent increases. And it, you know, it's obviously tied to kind of the pain in the butt factor. And, and I get almost zero pain in the butt factor from these tenants. They, they're so, I feel like I treat them with respect. I don't jerk them around. If something's broken, I come there and I, and I replace it. I don't try to fix it for the most part, obviously within reason. But I have a really good relationship with my tenant. I've had obviously stories of nightmare tenants that that everybody has. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I've been really, really lucky because I've been able to weed out some of the people over the years that I could I could smell that that they were going to be disingenuous and, and not a good tenant. You can tell that quite quickly. And I, I feel like since I'm kind of like owner, the, the owner and the manager of it, I the stakes are a lot higher for me and I go a lot harder on on interviewing people and really digging in. So all the book, how to tenant, what you should look for. And like, you're basically profiling people, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, et cetera, on are these people liars? Are they going to pay the rent? Are these the type of people that are partiers? Are they going to wreck this place? Like the, the reality of it is, is you're assessing them on whether, what kind of human beings you think they are. And I, I know it sounds kind of bad, but like these people are going to be in a property you own, like you have to trust them and you know nothing about them. So you really have to have a good strategy on looking at how they dress, how they act, how they talk about work, like how they carry themselves in public. I've been appalled at some, some of the people that I've met over the years, how they act in front of me. And they know that I'm literally judging them about whether they would be a good fit in my rental unit. And the way they act, it's just it's funny how some people act and just they don't even make an effort to try to hide who they even are. So like I said, I've been really lucky that way on how to tell if people are being genuine or disingenuous mm -hmm. fairly quickly. Where should I invest with your host, Sarah Larvey? We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she's works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, 
but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Yeah, I would just say for anybody that's listening and the Ontario laws are favoring, obviously, the attendance for us is just just as important, I think, as Vancouver to just filter through and just have clear steps of tenant screening. But the other thing I would just say is just careful that you don't ever get, you know, accused of discrimination or anything like that. So just like the other thing is just know, just know what you can say, just know what you can't say. Of course, like, like, and and I would never just like, you can't, I don't think there's any issue with say things about um, like whether someone's on social assistance for me sometimes is not an issue. Like obviously race is not an issue or anything like that, but there's, there's good people on social assistance. And then there's people that quite frankly, there's drug people that are going to run like close. And especially since I do own a couple of lower income places, you know, the rent is kind of in the target zone for that. But I've had like a mother with a child that's rented off me for years. That was the world's greatest tenant that you can tell she's a good person that's working, trying to get herself together. And Mm -hmm. there's other people that are just like, I I deal with it at my other job as well. Like there's sometimes there's people that are just, they're in kind of a, a really bad position in their life. And, you know, unfortunately, I meet a lot of people that are literally liars and manipulators, right? And they, they mm-hmm. try to work you into their system. So you got to be really, you got to be really, really prepared for that because those nightmare tenant situations usually are those type of people, the liars and manipulators, and they are masters at what they do. So you need to be a master at your screening process because I find you can sniff those people out. There's all signs, but people think, well, I need to get somebody in there by the first and I'm going to miss that mortgage payment or that's mm-hmm. going to come out of my pocket. That's the good thing about my strategy with my full-time job. Those money issues are never a concern for us. Right. So I never panic on stuff like that because I have my baseline job that covers all of our bases. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for sure, figure out what your tenant screening procedures are. Like for me, I have like five like specific steps and there's like steps in the steps, <laughs> but everyone's going to have a different yeah. to it. And definitely, I'm guessing for Vancouver, it's going to be similar where you can only, and I just want to go back to this for a second, but rent increase a certain amount, your cap. So correct. Yeah. at some point you fall behind market rent. So I would just say, just keep that in mind. Like same thing, like Ontario, personally for me, I do the rent increases every single year because I'm already going to be falling behind behind market rents. And then so when I sign leases, I let them know this is just normal. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get 90 days notice. This is when it's going to increase and it's going to be that X amount. So just like a tip, just if you, if you can do it, do it, take that increase because ultimately you're going to, your delta between the current market rents, if they left versus what they're going to be at in three or four years from now will be greater if you don't, uh, if you don't. 
that small increase. But okay, awesome. So, so Ian, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and you are going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yeah, you bet. Question number one, Ian, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? So I thought about this for a bit and I, I hate to say the same books, but I will never forget my dad when I was 15 years old at Christmas bought me The Wealthy Barber. And I don't recommend the book as like a solid the Bible on financial investing like that. I just think that the good thing is, and I'm looking forward to giving it to my son, is to start in, start putting investment advice into kids' hands earlier. So when I was 16, 17, 18, I was thinking about money, investing, my jobs, buying stuff. None of my friends were thinking about stuff like that. All my friends thought about was buying a car. And I was thinking about how can I buy a piece of real estate. So that's why I really enjoyed it is because, and why I recommend it is because I think that giving those types of books to kids to kind of inspire them is more so the key than the actual book. Yeah. Great answer. Okay. Question number two, what is your favorite podcast? So obviously I, I like a lot of different stuff from MMA stuff to comedy stuff. I listen to Joe Rogan all the time and a bunch of comedy stuff. I really like this one for my real estate stuff. I listen to this one all the time, even though it's West or it's East Coast or Central. I really do this one and I'm really glad you're having more West Coast people on it for sure. Awesome. All right. Question number three, Ian, what is your favorite pastime? What do you do for fun when you are not doing real estate? So me and my wife are big travelers. We just got back from uh, a big European travel thing from London up all the way into Scotland for a couple of weeks. We have kids that are involved in lots of sports. I've got hockey in two hours. We had soccer twice yesterday. And then obviously just spending time with the, the family, etc. All right. Awesome. Question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? So I honestly think I would scrimp and save to try to get into that condo again. I'd try to get into a small condo, even if it was just the family lived in it. And then we would try to buy another one and rent out the one that we bought originally. I, I've always felt that that's kind of the easiest way to start with the lowest amount of investment. Perfect. Okay. And number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend it? Sorry, what was the number amount again? 50 grand. 50 grand. So I think 50 grand, you could easily put down as a down payment on some type of real estate. Obviously, my bread and butter is condos, but I, I, I know lots of people have different options on that. But I think I would just use that as a down payment on some start the equity building right away. Okay. All right. Awesome. That was our lightning round question. So Ian, if our listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? So I'm on Instagram, just under Ian Tate, same with Facebook. Like I said, I'm not building a brand. I don't have a massive business that I'm looking for like followers. I'm not, uh, I don't have a coaching program or anything like that. So if you want to follow me, you can. It's more jokes about myself and me making fun of my kids, uh, et cetera. But you can find me just on normal social media like that. Perfect. Any final last words of advice for the listeners? Yeah. When are you going to have a, a right club thing on the West Coast? When are you going to fly in and have a uh, West Coast meetup? So we are actually uh, in the process of launching an online community for coast to coast across Canada. So we're actually launching that in November. It'll be, uh, it'll be pretty, uh, hopefully it'll be pretty good that you can actually see the content from Burlington. At some point we're going to come out and we're going to make it Canada wide. But right now we're actually working on the online piece so that you have access to all of the stuff that we do here in Burlington as well. Well, I, th I think we're going to have to fly out then. <laughs> come and see you probably sometime. We'll put that as part of our vacation stay over or something like that. Anytime, let I me know. I, I, don't, I don't know if Burlington is on our top 10 uh, world travel list, but maybe we'll make it as a stop off. 
Yeah, it's, it's like 30 minutes from Toronto. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, sounds good. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ian, for being on the show. Thanks for Thanks providing for having insights me. And, uh, and helping out the listeners gain a little bit more information and knowledge about condos. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that, and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.